Welcome to Step Into the Story. Incredible conversations of how the Bible changes lives, changes families, and changes communities across the globe. And here's your host, Phil Tuttle of Walk Through the Bible. Well, welcome to Step Into the Story. Every time we get together, we have the joy of exploring the intersection of our story and God's story. And sometimes we dive deep into that from a career perspective or a marriage or other key relationships. We believe that God's word really does change everything. And today, you're going to get to meet some friends of mine, Davis and Rachel Carmen, who I don't, I don't know how to separate one area of their life from another. It seems their marriage, their parenting, their career is all intertwined um, much more intricately than just about anybody that I know. So this is going to be a great conversation. Rachel and Davis, welcome to Step Into the Story. Thanks for having us today, Phil. We're glad to be here. Yeah, we're looking forward to the conversation. Well, where do we begin? Uh, We've (laughs) known each other for a while and um, promise not to tell two juicy stories on each other during this (laughs) conversation. Um, But uh, go back. Um, I didn't know you when you were younger and even when you met. Um, Unfold the story for us a little bit of where you each grew up and how God brought you together. Will you tell us that? And we'll we'll see whose version of the meeting and falling in love we like better. So, uh, Rachel, why don't you start us off? Okay, so, yeah, um, our lives, the way we were raised, kind of different. And the core was our church background was exactly the same. But Davis was basically raised in one place for most of his life. And I was a preacher's kid, and so I moved around. At one point, I think we counted that I had something close to 20 addresses before I was 20. So we moved around a lot in my childhood, and I just wanted to settle down and be at one place for a long time by the time I got married. But Jesus was always um, part of my life. I raised in the church, knew the Bible story. I thought I knew it. We'll get come back to that later. Um, but really loved him and wanted to serve him. And it was uh, came to faith in Christ at a young age and was baptized at a young age. So a little different from Davis's story. Mm. And, and Davis, well, he, um, what's what's your story? And how did you two meet? Right. So I'll. I'll include my story with our meeting. So I grew up in Northeast Ohio. Uh, my parents moved there when I was three years old, and I graduated high school from there. But when I was 18, I headed south to Nashville, where I went to undergraduate school, and then to Indiana for graduate school. And then I took my first job in Texas because my grandparents lived there. I had all kinds of aunts and uncles and other uh, relatives in the area. And I was looking for a wife. I was not interested in uh, going to the east or west coast and being a, a single beach bum, and I thought Texas would be a good place to find a wife. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm done with my education. I start my first job, and uh, I am in, intent on finding the bride that God has uh, planned for me. So after you know, when you're 25 years old, you know time is uh, on a different scale. And so after three months, I gave up and decided to you know do something else with that money that I'd saved up for an engagement ring. <laughs> and sure enough, 
the very next day, this girl shows up in the Bible study that hasn't been there for three months, and it's fireworks. I mean, it, I'm I'm just smitten. Game over. And yeah. Oh, and and we had literally just met. I called my parents that weekend after we went on our first date and said, "I think this is the girl," and they're you know trying to slow me down, say, you know, take it easy, go go easy, you know, let God work here. Uh, but it was a fast relationship. I mean, it, we got engaged within six or seven weeks, uh, and our grandparents and parents were thrilled. Matter of fact, the first time I uh, met Rachel's parents, when I left the home, her dad said, Kitten, I think that's the man you're going to marry. Rachel, can you verify that for me, please? I got to make is, sure I'm getting the straight story here. Yeah, no, that's, that is actually true. And it kind of terrified me, right? Because I mean, I thought he was great and everything, but I wasn't thinking I was going to marry this guy. And and I remember the next date we went on, I just kept staring at Davis going, hmm, could I be married to that for a long, long, long time? <laughs> it was kind of a weird thing, but yeah. So, so it was a whirlwind. We we uh, From the day we met to the day we got married was six months. So instead of Rachel going to school that fall, she was uh, about to be a junior in college. Uh, we made plans for a wedding instead. And... Uh, then, then we were on the roller coaster of life, and you know, life uh, went pretty fast after after that. In terms of, uh, uh, we had a foster child the first year of our marriage, and then uh, my dad got terminally ill of very soon into our fourth or fifth year of marriage. So I never thought I'd move back to Northeast Ohio, but we moved back there to be uh, with family for the last three years of my dad's life, mm-hmm. and then uh, through the course of job relocations. The job I had there relocated us to Charlotte, North Carolina, where we've been for 20, 28 years now. Yeah. Not a bad place to land. My wife no. uh, was born and grew up in Charlotte, and uh, her mm-hmm. father still lives up there in an assisted living facility. We're going to get to see him in a couple of weeks. Really excited about that. But you talk about a great city. Charlotte is what Atlanta should have stopped at in its growth. <laughs> Yeah, I probably just lost some friends in the Chamber of <laughs> Commerce over that. But I, I, I love Charlotte as well. So it started with a, a foster child. I did not I did not realize that. Um, when did your family come along? And, and uh, tell us about your kids. Right. So uh, um, uh, we were born in 1986, and our first son was born in 1986. We were married in 1986. <laughs> yeah, it we was an early relationship, yeah. <laughs> And uh, our firstborn was in 1990, so you know, we're in our 20s, and we had a son, uh, we had our second son, and for whatever reason, I was terrified that we might have a girl, and so uh, we were having those conversations, but that was actually when we relocated from Ohio to North Carolina. So there's a three-year gap between number two and three, largely because that was during the relocation time period. And then God got a hold of our hearts, and we started, uh, you know, thinking, you know, what if God decided our family size? And suddenly, you know, we we lived differently that way, and ended up with seven children. So we got two boys on the front end, two boys on the back end, and three girls got safely in the middle. And you decided you could be a daddy to a daughter. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is probably jumping way ahead in the story, but. Do you marvel even more now, Davis, that uh, 
that Rachel's dad gave you the green light as quickly as he did? I, I assume there's going to be a pretty extensive screening progress in the next generation. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there could be. And so we have my, all of our kids are you know, growing up and leaving the nest now. And I guess my three girls, our three girls, are certainly of marrying age. And so probably one of the biggest, most frequent, most earnest prayers that uh, uh, we have these days is that God will bring a good Christian man into our girls' lives and sweep them off their feet. Yeah. Mm. And I got to tell you, though, to your question, we marvel just at God's grace, how, how little we knew of each other. And even of him, even though we both were raised going to church, Man, he's been so kind and gracious to us to hold us together through thick and thin. A lot of more relocations than we thought. A, a young death of his father. Seven children that, you know, we did not, we didn't aspire to having a big family before we got married. And I was frankly done after two. I had a planned tubal ligation that we ended up canceling. And yet God intervened in such a way that we ended up having five more. And mm. so we do marvel at the twists and turns. We thought we had a plan for our life. We thought we would have one or two kids. I'd have a career teaching, interestingly. Davis would have a career in engineering. And I'm so grateful that God didn't take our plan and run with our plan. I'm so grateful that he interjected his plan. Yes. And, and several times along the way, it was a providential two-by-four over the head to get our attention. And uh, to where, as Rachel's alluding to, we're in a completely different line of uh, occupation. It's very ministry-oriented. Uh, it's it's uh, publishing, not engineering. It is uh, it does include science, so that's the, the good news. That that's close to my background. But, yeah, God has taken us down a path that uh, wasn't ours and took um, faith. And I, I know one of the things I've learned as I've gotten older is the Christian life is literally a continual walk of faith. Mm. So you made the decision um, to home educate your kids. And uh, Rachel, with, with your background as a public school teacher, it sounds like that's probably another one of those areas where God had a different plan than, than you had. Did you, did you aspire to homeschool your kids for a long time, or how did that decision come to pass? Okay, so no, true confession. So... When we lived in Ohio those three years, as a Southern girl, I thought I was going to freeze. I mean, I really could not figure out how people survived north of the Mason-Dixon. So I really wondered what God was up to. And when we were living there, God introduced me to three women on the block. Um, we had a Bible study together, and they all homeschooled. And I literally made fun of them to their faces. I was like, what is your problem? Don't you get it? The school bus stops in front of your house and you get your life back. Put your kids on the bus. I mean, come on. That's a and lot I of denim in one Bible study, too, isn't it? Oh, man, I'm here to tell you. It was, it was, I, I look back and I'm so ashamed and embarrassed. I mean, I gave them such a difficult time for making this life choice, right? And I didn't know anything. I mean, my oldest son was like a year old. So, I mean, what did I possibly know? Anyway, when we moved down to Charlotte, God intervened in such a way. I was so excited for our oldest son to get on the school bus. He, I referred to him as that child, the one that makes you want to pull out your hair and run from the building. I mean, just really 
He was me, right? He was a very talented. I was going to say, uh, yeah, that, that yeah. acorn didn't land too far from the tree, it from what not. I know. It yeah. did not. In fact, no, yeah, not at all. It did not land far from the tree at all. And so I was looking forward to him being gone. Um, and I was not thinking homeschooling at all. But through a series of events, he went to school for 13 days um, total. But on the first day, they put him on no bus, despite a sign on him that said bus. 809. On the second day, they put him on the wrong bus. He continued to go for, it would have been, what, 11 more days. And it just looked like he was dying. And so Davis ended up going up to the school and just said, yeah, we're taking him out. And we brought him home. And we really thought initially, we felt like it was the best thing for him initially because he literally just looked like he was dying. He was so energetic and so passionate and so full of questions. And he just he was not alive anymore. And mm-hmm. but we thought the decision initially was just a one year thing, right? Surely I right. couldn't mess up doing kindergarten. Um, and our parents, I think, I think it's fair to say they both panicked. They were like, what are you thinking? And we were just like, ah, it's just kindergarten. I mean, a apple ash, surely we can handle this. But <laughs> um, over, over the next year, God just did another miracle. Um, here I was having made fun of homeschooling, and guess who I called? I called those three girls on the block from Ohio. And one of them was laughing so hard, she handed the phone to her husband. And <laughs> he goes, who is this? And I said, who is this? And he said, this is Butch. And I said, what's going on? And he said, Carolyn can't even talk to you right now. She's laughing so hard. Wow. Um, because I had to eat crow, right? I had made fun of these women. And now I'm calling them going, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And it was just God. I mean, God was just like, yeah, I want you to do this. And I know you don't understand. And and it's not about that. It's about you trusting me to do something mm-hmm. beyond you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. To kind of hit the fast forward button a little bit, you know, so, so public school teacher background for you, Rachel and Davis, um, mechanical engineer, and then GM. For a plastics manufacturer, uh, and then came a, a huge transition career-wise uh-huh. for you and uh, Davis. Uh, unpack that story a little bit, and and just the really some of the difficulty and the struggle through that next transition. Right. So the the first ten years of my career was in the aerospace and automotive industry. And then the second 10 years, I was the general manager for a plastic manufacturing company. So both in you know some form of engineering and business management. Well, I was at the top of my game at, at the end of that 20th year of my career. And the business had grown so well that the owners sold the business to their children who had their own management plan, and I was not part of it. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly I found myself uh, out of work for the first time. And little did I know this was going to be a two-year pruning by God. So I felt like God had prepared me to now be a business owner and steward. So I began looking for businesses to buy. And this is in 2006 when the economy was good. So I looked at franchises. I looked at manufacturing companies. And you know, used my network as best I could. And after three or four months, I'm with some friends. And they're asking me you know, for a job you know, update. How's it going? And uh, I you know, told them, and they said, well, David, what are you passionate about? I said, well, I'm passionate about homeschooling, but I don't know how to make a living doing this. And they said, well, why don't you buy a homeschool company? 
And it's like a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, you're right. That's been my entire volunteer life because we had been in leadership roles in the homeschool community on the state board in North Carolina. And I knew the players. I knew the market. And so I, I shifted gear looking for small curriculum companies or magazine companies or some kind of homeschool resource that would be a good fit. And Apologia Educational Ministries was one of those companies I targeted. So I literally called them out of the blue to see if they were interested in selling. And God had prepared everything in advance. Mm -hmm. Uh, That first conversation was three hours. It It was as though we'd been talking for months. So in the fall of 2006, Things were looking good. All I had to do was get the financing to make this deal happen, and we'd be, you know, off and running. Well, uh, at the time, they were uh, science only, creation-based science curriculum. So I go to the banks, and I start getting no left and right because this company looks a little too religious for us. We we don't want to get involved in this. Right. And uh, before long. I ended up working with one company that took me uh, for a long ride to where I officially was um, denied a loan for religious reasons. Well, at this point, we're a year into unemployment and underemployment, and uh, we're we're in more of an emergency mode at this point. But I, I want to just interject. I mean, it's, to really get the weight of the whole thing, that we have all seven children home, and our oldest is a junior. I mean, we're facing his senior year unemployed. Yeah. We have a mortgage like other people. We have, you know, our youngest son, Benjamin, was what? Well, he was three years old. Yeah. And so, I mean, it. I spent every day in a puddle. I felt like I was living Groundhog Day, which is funnier as a movie than it is in real life. Yeah, <laughs> it's funnier in the rearview mirror too than it is in the windshield. It is. Also, and I, I can remember waking up just kind of, <gasps> you know, wondering, okay, is, is oh, we're still unemployed, you know, and not literally not knowing what was for dinner and not knowing how we mm. were going to pay the mortgage and how we were, and God proved Himself so faithful that i mean the community people paid our mortgage people bought soccer cleats for our kids people put groceries on our front porch at night they put gift cards in our mailbox they gave us checks davis kept whole notebooks of all of the things that people did i mean it was it was miraculous how god literally carried us through this time that just seemed to not end I just didn't feel like it was ever going to go away. It was literally a feeling as though um, God was providing manna one day at a time. And that began, you know, a a different kind of intensity on walking by faith in a way that we had not experienced to that point. And as Rachel's saying, it's still indelibly marked in our minds and in our hearts uh, because of how miraculously God took us through that valley, through that pruning, and then, very long story short, in June of 2008, uh, we were actually able to close on the business and acquire it officially and start a whole new journey of ministering by being a homeschool curriculum publisher. And so that's what we've been doing for the last 13 years, and it's been a wonderful ride. I mean, the satisfaction of doing Kingdom Work for a Living is wonderful, 
but like anything, it, it, it's a garden full of thorns. And so there's blood, sweat, and tears and ups and downs and uh, difficulties and relationships to navigate. Uh, but God, again, has uh, just done some amazing and mighty work. And so to, to jump back a little bit, to, uh, when our kids were very young, and we were early in our homeschooling, before we ever acquired Apologia, Rachel put together a Bible curriculum for our kids because that was a high priority. And Rachel, why don't you tell about how how we picked our Bible curriculum? Oh, well, we picked our Bible curriculum because of you, Phil. It was your fault. <laughs> well, let me let me just set the, the stage for this a little bit. That's where I was going next, too. Yeah, so Apologia was, was science only. Um, along the way, added some worldview um, mm-hmm. curriculum, um, math, which, you know, is a cousin to science. That makes sense. Um, but to diversify into Bible, um, mm-hmm. now we get to, to me, some of the most exciting part of the story. And um, Rachel, you're probably giving me more credit or, and blame than I deserve, but um, we'll see your version of it, and we can always edit this out if it's uh, if I'm too uncomfortable with it. But let, <laughs> how do you blame me for this? This is interesting. No, I blame you in the best possible way. It's the best kind of blame that we can give to each <laughs> other. I mean, I went to that live conference that you did, the live walkthrough event that you did at Calvary Church, and you inspired me because here I had these two young boys, my oldest. I mean, easily ADHD off the chart. I mean, he was always moving. I would go in at night and celebrate that he was still when he was sleeping. So when you get up there and start teaching the Bible and you're moving, in other words, I don't have to require my son to sit still to accomplish the most foundational and the most important teaching that I want to give him. I thought I was going to jump up and down in my seat. I was like, this is what I need for this child of mine. This is exactly what I need. But then my, almost my exactly next thought was, but I'm not the only one that needs this. Mm -hmm. There are other moms and dads and families that need, oh my, and my mind just started exploding. I mean, if you had been able to look at me in the eyes right now, I would have had, the lights were on, but no one was home. Mm. I had to have been a million miles away because I was just going, and then we could, and then we could, and then we could. If only we owned a curriculum company, we could do something about this. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I mean by blame. It's the best kind of blame. You stood up there and you taught the biblical narrative in an engaging way that I thought that's what my son needs. That's what our family needs. That's what all my friends' families need. Mm. So, yeah, it was a good thing. Yeah, so she has on the spot in that after that first seminar, she had this great idea with um, that we need to come up with a homeschool curriculum based on you know, walk through the Bible when we're in the, our first year of homeschool. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah makes perfect sense. And <laughs> not the not the first time nor the last time. Uh, God subtly slowed down that process a little bit, but um, but the dream didn't go away. And in, in fact, it kept coming back multiple times. Rachel, try to consolidate that into um, somewhat of a streamlined story. Um, Apologia and your personal decision, both of you, to partner with Walk Through the Bible and build this curriculum together. You know, it's just been, 
I, I don't know, Phil, I still can hardly talk about it without emotion because it's just so clearly um, just the work of God and the will of God and God's perfect timing. I mean, this has been a more laborious process is the mother who has given birth to seven children. So that says something. That's got some street cred to me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Than anything else. And yet, again, God's faithfulness is just strained through the whole thing. So really the Reader's Digest version is you inspired me when I saw you teach it here in Charlotte. Um, my brain exploded. I took the outline that you taught that weekend and had this dream of it being a curriculum. I called and you were kind enough to listen to me, to, to give me time to come and tell you about my dream. And I will say very wisely, uh, you listened very well. I felt heard, which was glorious. Um, but you very wisely said, let me know how, let's check back in in a few years. You know, basically let me know how that works for you. And sort of sent me on my way. And so then over the course of the next several years, I just taught it to our own kids here at our own house. And our kids loved the Bible curriculum. We knew the motions. We knew the narrative. And I saw what it did for them in terms of giving them foundational knowledge. And then fast forward, once we owned Apologia, it was like, oh, my goodness, now we have the position, meaning we we were on the board for the state of North Carolina for homeschoolers. We were already speaking across the country. Now we owned a major leading curriculum provider for homeschooling families. It was like, okay, now is the time because now we have more of the platform, as it were, to actually do this right. And we've got the experience. And so we came back to Atlanta and at that point, we're able to enter into an agreement and a contract. Yeah, let's do this, right? And I think it's fair, Phil. I think y'all thought it was the right time, and, and I think we thought it was the right time. But it it wasn't the right time in God's perspective. Mm. Yeah, it's it, when it finally came together. I mean, because a walk through the Bible needed to be ready to make that move, too. And, sure. you know, when it finally clicked a couple of years ago and— you said yes, and we said yes. Yeah. There was just a confidence in the leading and the timing of God. So many times he plans dreams. I mean, you think about Joseph, how mm-hmm. how much before anything came to fulfillment, God planted that dream. And, right. you, you know, we, we say in that course detour that God cares more about the development of the dreamer than the fulfillment mm-hmm. of the dream. And uh, mm-hmm. this is this is the time. Uh, so is. Davis, um, that curriculum is almost ready. Um, what's it called and uh, when will it be available? Right. So we are happy, ecstatic <laughs> to announce um, two volumes, the Word in Motion Old Testament and the Word in Motion New Testament. I just love the title because it's, it's the Word of God and it's in motion. So Great title, partnered with Walk Through the Bible, based on the 40-point the outlines that y'all have you know, totally updated and made spectacular. So, again, that's part of why the timing is wonderful. And there's there's a landing page, so people can go to apologia.com, backslash Bible, and they can see some examples of the video teaching, the um, some sample chapters, 
uh, the book covers, the notebooking journals that will go with them. And then on April 27th, uh, they will be, people will be able to pre-order this curriculum. And then we will be shipping it July 12th uh, to all the pre-orders and people you know, that order afterwards. So we are ramping up and getting excited about promoting and launching and making this available to homeschoolers, to, to Christian families, to non-Christian families, to anybody that wants to get that skeleton of the Bible narrative and storyline and keywords for each book of the Bible. And then over the course of time after they go through this course, to start putting meat on that skeleton and really make the Word of God come alive in a way that uh, a lot of people just aren't aware of these days. And it'll improve their Bible literacy, their love of God, and their love of His Word. And God's Word does not return void. It'll do amazing things in people's lives when we uh, get to know it. Apologia is spelled uh, A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A. A-P-O- Correct. L-O-G-I-A. So it's just apologia.com slash Bible. Uh, I, I tested it out earlier, and it takes you right to a really good landing page. You know, there are something like 60 million kids in, in school in the U.S., um, K through 12, about 3 million of whom are homeschooled. Um, that number grew considerably in the last year during COVID. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, <laughs> very many people found themselves homeschooling their kids, not by choice, but out of necessity. Um, as schools reopen, it's different in every state and even in different communi- communities, but it would appear there's a significant number of families that are going to continue this option um, kind of like happened to you two. This is a one-year commitment for one of our kids. And, uh, you know, how bad can you mess up kindergarten? And um, families who did this out of necessity, um, many of them are going to do it by choice this fall. But one of the things I've always enjoyed about both of you, Davis and Rachel, is that, um, I mean, your mocking of, of homeschoolers that's not all totally undeserved. Um, certainly, <laughs> certainly there are some who, who invite that experience, but there are also a, a handful. It's like anything else. It's, it's, it's a small group that, that make things difficult for everybody. But in, in their passion, there are, there are those homeschoolers who this is the only way. And if you love your kids, you will make this choice and any other choice is wrong. And I've always enjoyed you two. Um, Ellen and I decided not to homeschool our kids, partly because um, our kids turn out to be way more intelligent than we were. And it was going to be really embarrassing when uh, age six, they were teaching us nuclear physics and we were <laughs> trying to teach them about their times tables, you know? So, so, you know, we had a reason for that. And yet, if, if you ask me, do you teach your kids? I would say absolutely. Ellen mm-hmm. and I took primary responsibility for the education, for, for the spiritual development of our kids. We mm-hmm. didn't want to outsource that to a school, to a church, to a club, to anybody else, though, though they did go to school. And, and my wife, like you, Rachel, um, taught high school. Uh, for about 10 years. And 
So the the cool part, and I really do respect this about you, that in your passion and it's your career as homeschool curriculum, um, you realize it's not the right choice for everybody. And I think I think God is going to use this curriculum more broadly, you know, than those who are oh, card carrying homeschoolers, meaning their kids don't go to a public or private school. They're only taught at home. Um, I think God is going to blow open the market for this. Is that is that your dream as well? It really is. I mean, that's my vision. I you know I really believe that this is a seek you first component of your day, whether your kids are in charter school, private school, public school, homeschool, that this works perfectly before you send them off to wherever they're going or if you're beginning your day at home, because this is fundamental equipment, uh, equipping and discipleship of your children. The key to what you just said a minute ago about all of the educational choices that we face is parental engagement and ownership of the discipleship that I believe we're charged with um, in Deuteronomy 6. Mm. So I agree with you. This is not limited to homeschool families. I think this is an opportunity for all families to build into their children the foundations of the faith. Ah, that's so exciting. Um, final, final word. Um, now that you've gone through the whole process with all the delays and the surprises along the way, um, what are you two most excited about with this new resource, The Word in Motion? What, I mean, I, I know you're so committed to quality. There's probably things you pick at. I wish I'd done that differently. This could have been better. That's always going to be that way. But what are you most excited about that that you would want to pass on to other parents with this? You know, I, I sort of alluded to this earlier, and that was I thought I knew the biblical mar- narrative growing up in church. When I went to that seminar with you all those years ago, Phil, and you did the biblical narrative for the Old Testament, it a light bulb literally went off. I was just like, oh, that's where that fits, and that's what that is. I think one of my hopes and prayers for this curriculum is that we're able to remove the intimidation factor from knowing God's Word and knowing God and knowing our role in His story. I think it's so easy um, I think the enemy has worked very diligently, actually, to intimidate many believers into thinking that understanding and knowing the Bible and God is just too hard. And I think that this curriculum, the partnership, what, what you've worked so hard to develop there at Walkthrough in terms of the, the, the 40 points that you've put together and then the different components we've created to come alongside that really, really gives families, parents, students the opportunity to get their hands around the biblical narrative and an understanding and a foundation for the rest of their lives. That is truly exciting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, everything we do at Walk Through the Bible is to ignite passion for God's Mm -hmm. Word, to take away the fear and the confusion, remove the barriers from people being able to access God's story and um, you know, just like it's by looking at Davis and, and Rachel, your entire lives that we see the hand of God and the weaving together of your story and God's story. It's the same way in the Bible. Um, a mm-hmm. verse is great. A chapter is wonderful. A whole book provides insight. 
but it's in the big picture of God's right. story that we really, really, really see the heart of God most clearly. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll never forget one of the earliest walkthroughs I taught, this two young guys come up at the end and one tells his buddy, tell Phil what you just said. And the guy says, I turned to my friend, I've literally never been to church in my life before today. And I just turned to my friend and said, no wonder you want a relationship with a God like that. Oh, wow. And, uh, that guy met Jesus as his savior that day. Wow. It's, it's my prayer for the word in motion, whether that be Old Testament or New Testament, that that together we will have the privilege, the mm-hmm. divine honor of showing thousands of people that portrait of God, because when he's allowed to speak for himself, he's so compelling, he's so mm-hmm. attractive. And so as, as you launch this, apologia.com slash Bible, um, available for pre-order starting April 27th, shipped by July, plenty of time to start in the fall. Um, I hope that thousands and thousands of families um, will take advantage of this. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And um, everybody, um, check this out and continue to walk with us on Step Into the Story because it seems every time we get together, just like God had big surprises for Davis and Rachel, God's got surprises for all of us. And I look forward to sharing the next one the next time we get together. Uh, go to your, wherever you receive your podcast, Google or, or Apple Play or wherever and Um, leave us a review and tell your friends about this because it's this message that God wants a relationship with us and he is a God who so deserves our trust. Help us get that word out there. We'll see you next time on Step Into the Story. Thank you for joining us for the Step Into the Story podcast powered by Walk Through the Bible. We'd love to hear what you think by giving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, don't miss a single episode by clicking the subscribe button. If you'd like more resources to help you explore and live God's word in your daily life, visit walkthrough.org. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G. Walk through the Bible. Take a walk. Change the world.